to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace podcast. We're so excited that you can be with us. We're going to be talking about what God is doing in the marketplace. And now, our host, Patrice Seguet. Welcome to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace Podcast. I'm Patrice Sagay, and I'm here this week again with uh, Brent Owens. Brent Owens is the President and CEO of Creative Financial Design and CMD Investments. I am here in Kokomo, Indiana. By the way, it's not a beach. <laughs> <laughs> Why do many people think that Kokomo is a beach? Because of the Beach Boys song, uh, there's a place called Kokomo. It's a song, and they say it's an island off the Florida Keys. Is that is that true? Fictitious. <laughs> <laughs> there is no such. It has thing. nothing to do with this. No. Wow! So people come here looking for a beach, and yeah. there's no. The name does sound like a beach name, right. actually. So. We have a uh, municipal pool here called Kokomo Beach. <laughs> I love it, but it's not going to be like the tropics. This is a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Now I can imagine, Brent, that it's not easy to recruiting. I mean, it's, this is like mm-hmm. Andy Griffin country. Mm-hmm. You know, you can leave your doors open, and uh, this is really a safe place. But it's not a major city. Yeah, and it's not just recruiting from for a financial advisor standpoint. Yeah. It's recruiting home office employees that need specific licenses, like securities wow. licenses. Because you got to compete against yeah, New York, yeah. against DC, Compliant, compliance officers who are attorneys. I mean, you don't you don't just find those on the streets in Kokomo, Indiana. That's right. We're very much an automotive industry type of town, and wow. so. You know, when we bring in specialty people here with licenses and so forth, um, we bring them in from a lot of different places, uh, and we literally have to sell them on, hey, come live in Kokomo and uh, be a part of our home office team. Wow. And it's a great place to live. There's a family. I mean, I, when I'm here with you, we mm-hmm. go to games all the right. time. Cost of living is very generation cost of, It's yeah. a great place to be. Right. But folks like the limelight, don't right. they? Right. Yeah. So, Brent, on the last program, we kind of talked about how you arose from an intern here from growing corn mm-hmm. <laughs> and selling them in front of the office to uh, CEO of the, of, and president of the company. Mm-hmm. Let's take it from there. So just in case our listeners are new, uh, let's remind them what CFD Investment is. Can you give a sense of sure. the company? So CFD Investments is a registered broker dealer. We started in January of 1990. We're registered in all 50 states and we serve about 200 financial advisors. Creative Financial Designs is our registered investment advisory firm. Uh, again, uh, all 50 states, um, we do fee-based financial planning and uh, fee-based money management through the RIA and then through the broker-dealer. We do stocks, bonds, mutual funds, variable annuities, life insurance products, things like that. You, and then about $30, $30 million a year in revenue. Yeah, this will be employees. the second second year in a row or second year that we've done over uh, Thirty million of revenue between the two companies. Uh, we have fifty plus employees now at the Over home office. Over two hundred advisors. Two hundred financial advisors. Uh, on the management, you guys have about. Uh, we are approaching one point four billion uh, wow. that our RIA is managing, uh, and then we, through the broker dealer, have about another two billion. So wow. between the broker dealer and the RIA, we have about three point four billion of client assets. Of client assets. So you're not a small company. No. Uh, and for this town, you're definitely one of the big players in this town. So you take over this company at 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the key that brought you from there to here. First of all, let's deal with the relationship with your dad. So, uh, of course, your dad, uh, he was there alongside with you. How important was your dad in now you leading? How was that dynamic like? Well, it was huge because, um, especially being 28 years old, I was 
very unsure uh, of the steps that I should take. And so he was a sounding board. He was there every step of the way. If there were things that I had questions on, you know, he was like my personal mentor. Wow. Uh, he was a financial advisor himself. You know, at the time, 1998, we maybe had about 40 financial advisors and six home office employees. And he was by far our largest producing registered He was, a, he carried the company. He carried the company. I mean, literally when the broker dealer started it, it, by design, he thought he was going to be the only registered representative. So he and started it, for himself. He started it for himself. And uh, in that first year, he sent a letter out to a lot of his insurance uh people that he knew and uh, he sent a letter to about 20 people and 18 of the 20 people immediately joined the broker dealer. Wow. So if you fast forward to 1998, when I took over as president, we had about uh, 40 financial advisors, but his production was off the charts compared to our number two advisor, for instance. So, you know, where he really helped me a lot was as a mentor and, uh, you know, it was about around that time that we said, you know, let's our average production per advisor at that time was about nine thousand, and so we set a goal, and it was really my dad who has the vision for a lot of this stuff. You know, let's double or triple the size of what our average production is per advisor, and so we set out to do that. And within three years, you know, our average production went from nine thousand an advisor to about forty-five thousand advisors, wow. so it almost went up five times. Uh, just to put things in perspective, I just did the numbers uh, for through the first three quarters of 2017, and our average production per advisor this year is going to be uh, be about 172,000. From 9,000. So 1998, our average production per advisor was 9,000. Today in 2017, our average production per advisor is 172,000 per advisor. My gracious. So that was one of the. Metrics. Matrix to increase our sales was to increase wow. the average production of our advisor. But at that point, it was like, okay, let's grow this too. Let, instead of being 40 advisors, let's be 60 advisors. And it was an interesting journey from 1998, I would say, through 2006. We, The building that we're in right now, Creative Financial Center, was built in 2006. It has 44,000 square feet. We have an auditorium that seats about 550. We have a cafe and a multi-purpose gym that you know can feed up to 350 people or more. And um, we literally started growing our advisor base, going from 40 to 50, 50 to 60. And as we were doing that, we were at 6080s Boulevard. And when I first started working there, there were three buildings. My father started in the business in 1969. 1972, he built his first building. He was in that building from 72 to 79. He kind of outgrew it. Uh, 79, he built a new building. Uh, by the way, the current building that was built in 1972 uh, was sold to one of his clients, uh, wow. DeClean op uh, Optometry. He's an eye doctor, Bud and Kate DeClean, husband and wife. And now they own that first building that my dad was in in 1972. Uh, 1979, he built a, had an office space. It was a two-story building on one side, and then on the other side, he loved racquetball, and there were two racquetball clubs. Uh, one of his clients, Dr. Ray Christine, bought that building. So now uh, that building houses two dentists, two dentist offices. And then the building that uh, we came from, uh, he built that in 1986. I was a sophomore in high school, and uh, we were in that building from 86 to 06. Uh, but during that time, that particular auditorium in that building could only seat about 60 people. So in 1998, we had about 40 advisors. By 2002, we had about 60. 
uh, around 2002, 2003, we we're like, we're going to need a bigger auditorium if we're going to grow this thing. And I'll never forget, we took some huge jumps. Like in one year, we went from 60 advisors to 90 advisors. Oh my so goodness. we had an increase by 50%. The next year, we went from 90 advisors to 120 advisors. So in 2003, we built a fourth building and it had a 120 seat auditorium in it. And literally within two years, uh, keeping in mind that when it first got built, we had 60 financial advisors. Within two years, we outgrew it. And so we actually started having conferences at Morningstar Church Wow! Uh, because our conference center was just not big enough. So in 2006... Uh, and it's not like there's a lot of hotels in the, right. with conference rooms in this right, town Right, exactly. 2006, I'll never forget it. Uh, well, actually, it was 2005. We were in Colorado Springs, my father and I, and we're at the NACFC conference. And I remember us speaking at the National Association of Christian Financial Consultants with each other, like, what are we going to do? We're busting at the seams at Boulevard. Uh, we have a conference center right now that's obsolete because it, we have more advisors than what we can, you know, have seats. And we were like, do we buy, you know, and there was some economic downturn in the middle of the 2000s. And so there was real estate properties coming up. And, you know, there was a Cubs grocery store, for instance, that was absolutely huge. And it went on the market right now. I think it's a best lot. And uh, we were like, do we buy a building or do we build a building? And he literally he'll tell you about this himself. But uh, he had a dream when we were in Colorado Springs that uh, he was to build a building. And he was kind of like Noah was with the ark. He was given the dimensions of what the building was supposed to be. And and I remember my dad saying, Lord, I see what you're trying to tell me, but where, where I put it? And he said it was like a dream and he saw this piece of land. And when we got back from Colorado Springs, he went to see who owned it. He put an offer on it. They accepted the offer. We bought this piece of land in January of 2006. By February of 2006, it went through the planning commission and we started building. And uh, so now we, I can't believe it, but we've been in this building now for 11 years. And wow. uh, it's the home of the CFD companies and it serves over 50 employees just at the broker dealer level. And I'm talking CFD investments and creative financial designs. And then we have the law firm, we have the property casualty agency, we have the accounting firm, we have a barber shop in here. Wow. So when you add it all up, there's about 70 employees that call this place home. And it, didn't you also have a daycare facility? Uh, it's babysitting services. Babysitting services for Because about, for your employee, I mean. Yeah, so about, you know, we our employees have kids and wow. uh, we wanted a place where, you know, moms and even some situations it's been dads uh, have a place to put their kids and while so they're working we, while they're that working incredible. and so you know when they work from eight to noon they can take lunch at noon and go pick up their kids from noon to one and and then take their kids back down to that babysitting store and you also have a workout uh, uh, a gymnasium so, where they can exercise so again my dad will tell you about this but yeah. he wrote the book diamond of life yeah. and the purpose of this building is if you can imagine a baseball field home plate being where you draw your power and your purpose mm. from what mm. is your purpose First base being your personal base. And the reason I mention this is uh, is because why do we have a workout room here? So your personal base, people come to us to invest money. They want us to help them you know, increase their net worth. Well, what good does it do? It, it profits a man nothing to gain the whole world and lose a soul. What good does it do also if we're helping somebody go from being, you know, having 500000 to a million dollars if they're not in physical health to enjoy it? So first base being your personal base, we want to make sure people, our clients are spiritually fit and physically fit. 
So our local clients here in Kokomo, Indiana, we have a cardiovascular room where wow. have treadmill, treadmills and bicycles and ellipticals. Then we have a workout room where they can lift weights. We have a personal trainer here and uh, our, our clients can come in here and work out Monday to Friday, eight to Brent, five. People are listening to and saying, this is overhead. I mean, you know, you, you're committing a lot of overhead mm -hmm. to these things that are not core to the business. What do you say? Again, it, it's all about who are we, what are we about, and again, we've talked about being a kingdom company. That's right. And um, it's a commitment it, to people, planet, profit, yeah, eternity. Absolutely. You're investing I mean, your what, employees. What good does it do for us to right. increase people's wealth mm. if they don't understand? that we're just stewards. I love it. And so again, part of the building, and I only touch for space, but second base kind of being the community base. Mm. We've actually, we have an auditorium that seats 550. We've had weddings in here. We've had church services before. We've had high school reunions. You also like sometimes that. host speakers. You open up mm -hmm. to, the, to the community. We've had con uh, concerts in here, Christian yeah. concerts, where we open it up to the community. It had every seat taken up in that auditorium before. So there was a purpose behind that building. The original purpose was we needed a home because we were busting at the seams at 608 East Boulevard. And I will never forget when we moved in here and we started lining our people up in these offices, we had a lot of extra space. And I remember thinking to myself, we will never outgrow this building. Fast forward 11 years from now, if you walk the halls, every single office in this building now has an occupant in it. And in many situations, there are two people in it. And there are a lot of situations where there's three and four people. So when I think back to 608 East Boulevard, it was like a 10,000 square foot building. We were busting at the seams. We had three and four people in a room. And wow. I was like, we'll never do that again. Well, guess what? <laughs> You're we, back there we're again. back to there again. We have three and four people in some of these rooms. Brent, um, let's go back a little bit. So with these transition. The father is still around. His office is there. He's he's young. He's still building. Your father's very energetic. He's an entrepreneur. I mean, he's a, he's well, a fast forward to twenty seventeen. He's seventy one years old, and and in twenty sixteen, he was still our second largest producing advisor. Wow. out of two hundred, he's so. I, but at which point did you feel when you took over? At which point did you feel like this was mine to lead? I mean, I'm sure there was a mm -hmm. period where it's still like I'm just helping that. Mm -hmm. Talk a bit about that because somebody listened to us. And, and they may be in the family dynamic and, and they're second generation and they may have gone through that or maybe going through that now. So how did that? It's really hard to explain, Patrice, because I don't even know if I've ever to this day have had that feeling like this is mine. I mean, Talk first of all, it. I'm just a steward and I feel very blessed that my dad entrusted me uh, to run the operations of the firm and take over the leadership role. And the reality is him and I have had this discussion many, many times. My dad is very visionary. My dad is a doer, but at the same time, could my dad have grown the broker dealer and maintained his practice without his son, without me? The answer is probably no. But on the flip side of it, could his son without his dad's vision and without his motivation to do, could his son have grown the business to what it is today? And the answer is no. So it's hard for me to say like, at what point did I take over? Because the reality is it's been a partnership where him and I have worked together, him and I have communicated together. I love that. And Brent, you often make a statement to me, and, and this speaks to the comfort of who you are. Mm -hmm. You're very clear as to your gift set. You, you never try to project or pretend that you're visionary. Mm -hmm. You kind of see your dad and that's my dad. Absolutely. Was it hard for you to come to that conclusion? Was there a moment where there was a competition between you and your dad? Or did you always, were you always clear what your lane was? 
Yeah, I, I've never felt a competition with my dad. I, I have my hands where my fingers are being brought together. And, you know, if you have one hand that's open and your fingers are spread apart, there's a lot of gaps in those areas. And if you take your other hand and you put it in, you can close those gaps. That's kind of how I see my father and I's relationship. Where he's strong, I might be weak. Where he might be weak, I might be strong. And I think we just really complement each other What's well. been key to that, though? Because that's not easy to come by. You know, it's got to be just a blessing from God. I wow. mean, to be quite honest, obviously God is the author of all this. God foresaw all this. And I hope the reason why we've had success and I, I hope the reason why there isn't tension and there isn't conflict is because my father and I both fulfilled what we were called to do. I we, love we it. We followed our calling. And so so you felt comfortable as to who you were. And you've often said to me, Patrice, if it was my dad, I'll be... Teaching baseball. I'd be a school, you know, school I'd be a school teacher. teacher coaching baseball. My dad's uh, dad was a school teacher. Mm -hmm. um, a football field is named after him, Owens Memorial Field. When my dad graduated from college, my grandfather encouraged my dad first to be a school teacher. My dad did that for a year. He didn't like it. Then my dad said, okay, you could get a job at AT&T as an engineer. He did that for a year. He didn't like it. And in the meantime, 1969, he starts selling life insurance. And that was his passion. That was his calling. That was his love. My dad's love is to serve people, to help them get from point A to point B in the most efficient way, mm. to help their uh, goals and objectives become a living reality. That's what my dad's about. That's what drives my dad. What is Brent Owen about? Uh, again... What I'm about, too, is I have those same passions. I mean, I love seeing people get from where they are to where they want to be. And, uh, you know, I take a different approach than my dad does. I have a different set of skill sets than my dad has. I have a different set of gifts than what my dad has. Um, and I think that's why we've been so successful is bringing those skill sets and gifts together. Um, and, you know, I don't know which scripture it is when it talks about the cord, you know, a strand of one yeah, versus proverb. a strand of Proverbs. Yeah, three cord squares three. is not easily broken. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the definition of what my dad and I have achieved. We are stronger, and it's not just now my dad and I are the only two cords. You add people like Craig Rose and Chris Hale and 40-plus other people into it. Now, all of a sudden, it is we are very hard to be broken. Let's talk a bit about challenges for a minute, because I'm going to get to the impact on employees and so But let's talk about challenges a bit. Our listeners are listening to us now, and they're saying, okay, tell me about one challenge that may have occurred between your dad and this process and how you guys handle it, so that our listeners can kind of glean from that. I'll be honest with you. Um, if we were to start a broker-dealer right now versus in January of 1990, I don't know if we would start a broker-dealer. The regulatory environment is so different in 2017 than what it is in 1990. And I don't want to say it was the wild, wild west back in 1990, but the reality is um, the point of entry was just a lot lower than what it is now. Um, it's hard for a mom-and-pop shop to start in 2017. Um, so really a lot of the challenges and when I think about you really the last 15 years since I really kind of taken the lead The regulatory part of it is just increased. We just had uh, the DOL came out with a new rule in June of this year this summer And it changed how we do paperwork I mean the amount of paperwork and people I think will understand what I'm saying You know back in the 80s and 90s if you were opening a checking account or you were doing a loan on a home or maybe a tax return You know it was a few pages um, some situations one page 
when in the 1990s, when I first started in this business and I wanted to open up an American funds mutual fund, I had a one page new account form for CFD and maybe a three page new account form from American funds. Now you have all these uh, prospectuses and all of these disclaimers. And now all of a sudden, instead of being from four or five pages, it's like 50 to 75 pages. And I'm not exaggerating. It seems like everything that a customer has to fill out, it's like a miniature phone book. And so I would say the biggest challenge has been regulatory. Another big thing is, is there are, you know, there's legitimate lawsuits and then there are lawsuits that are frivolous. And it seems, you know, when a client, for instance, a client can complain about anything, regardless of the situation, some of them are legit and some of them aren't. I've dealt with situations where clients, you know, I'm just using this as an example, might have started with 100000 and now it's worth 150000 You would think that client would never complain. There's been situations where we've had to defend ourselves, even when the client, you know, increased their net worth by fifty grand. Wow. Um, so really, the regulatory environment, the litigious society that we live in, uh, competition. Uh, there's a lot of competition right now. At the beginning of 2000, there were 8,000 broker dealers. Now there's 4,000 broker dealers. Why is that? Well, there's half of the amount of broker dealers because of the regulatory environment we're in. The mom and pop shops are giving up. They're throwing their hands in and saying, we can't do it. The mid-sized firms like us, maybe that 200 advisors, they're like, are we better off standing alone and doing this ourselves, or would we get more scalability if we join a bigger firm and get you know brought in as a super OSJ or stuff like that? And so, have you guys been tempted to? Stand? Oh, I wouldn't say tempted at all. Um, have we been approached uh, every three months? Wow, because uh, you guys a uh, nice size, healthy value. We would probably be the perfect type of firm for somebody to take over. And and I just had a one of our financial advisors uh, from New Jersey talk to him today, and he's like, "Are you guys going to sell?" Wow. And uh, I flat out, I'm very transparent with our advisors. I'm, I speak the truth. And I told him, I said, that is not our desire. You never say never. That's right. But it's not our desire to, to sell. I'm 47 years old as of right now. Uh, my son is 18. I would love to see us take this to the next generation. I would love to see us not get swallowed up by a larger company. And then all of a sudden we lose our character. We lose our purpose. We lose our sense of who we are. Mm. The mission statement kind of gets diluted if we're not CFD investments, if we're just a branch of a bigger firm and you know, what, what's our mission statement going to be with them. Mm. And so I love what I'm doing. I want to take this to the next generation. We have a great team here. And I think many of those team members want to see us take it to the next generation. I could even see some of our team members like the Craig Roses of the world, the Chris Hales of the world. I could see some of their kids someday being a part of this business. I love it. You're talking about generation. Yeah. I want to talk a bit about the impact on your employees and your, and your advisors and your clients. But you've been through biblical entrepreneurship. You know, how did that impact you as a leader? Well, I would say two things. One, I do, obviously, going through biblical entrepreneurship was huge. And I don't want to mean to give a plug to somebody else as well. But um, another thing that was big for me was when Alan Ross took me and the firm through Unconditional Excellence. That's right. So the firm and Brent Owens went through Unconditional Excellence with Alan Ross. And then we hired you as a business coach yeah, to take yeah. us through biblical entrepreneurship. You and you had all your advisors. Even all, a lot of our financial for, advisors. Yeah. We paid for them to go through it. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's huge. If we are who we say we are and we're going to be a kingdom company, to have the base of knowledge that comes from biblical entrepreneurship, uh, it's just, it's, it's really huge. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Let's talk a bit about 
as you've been growing your employees, you're 20 years old. Some of the employees were old, much older than you. Yeah, yeah, How does a young man, 20 years old, navigate that <laughs> to go from that where you were to 50 employees? What are some of the key things along the way? Well, thankfully, I, I feel like we've always had a good group of people. I think most people understood the dynamic that it was a father-son combination. Um, right or wrong, I think a lot of people respected me because I was an Owens. I mean, that's just the truth the of it. The name carried away because of yeah, your father's credibility. Absolutely. So that's just the truth of the and matter. And you weren't ashamed of that. You weren't trying to stand on your on your own. Because some people would say, I want to make my own yeah. mark. No, I uh, I really have loved the role that I've played. Um, I would like to think that I'm fairly humble. I would like to think that, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot of attention that's thrown on to me as a result of being president. I'm a high school baseball coach. I did play athletics. And so, you know, to say that I never wanted to see my name in the paper or things like that, that would that wouldn't be truthful. Um, but it wasn't what drove me. Um, mm. Really what drove me was from a family standpoint, seeing this family company grow. What really drove me was seeing clients get from where they were to where they wanted to be. And uh, I really try to deflect. I know that I'm just a steward. I know that I need to hold on with loose hands because at any moment I could take my last breath. And I, I just want to focus on eternity and what's important. Brent, so th let's talk about spiritual discipline. I mean, what's been the key to you spiritually to staying that grounded in midst of the success? Well, I'm never ever, and I think it's so important for parents to instill this in their kids. I will never take for granted the childhood that I was given. Again, from a young age, I was just taught um, you, that you go to church. I was taught that you read your Bible. I was taught that you pray. I was taught that you tithe. And uh, obviously that just stuck with me. And again, I know each of us have to receive that uh, where we're at. And some kids get that same opportunity, but they reject it. And I don't know why. And I'm not being braggadocious at all of, it just stuck with me and it meant something to me. And from the time I was a young person, I remember getting baptized at nine years old. And I remember after I got baptized thinking like heaven is rejoicing right now. And wow. it's always been important to me to please my heavenly father. And it's always been important for me to please my earthly father and my earthly mother. And so I've just been driven that way. Wow. Um, wow. To, to be a, I'm, I'm, if, peop, if people that know me would say Brent is a people pleaser. And sometimes being a people pleaser will get you in trouble. Wow. Now, the other piece, as you grow in the company, you got to now also deal with advisors, a lot of troubleshooting. As I've coached you as a company and you personally, one of the things you've had to do is take on a lot of stuff. How did you navigate as a young man and how did that change? As you Again, as we grew, um, it became less and less about me as president. Um, we developed departments. We developed department heads. Uh, I really feel like the reason why we went to the next level at one point when I tried to wrap my hands around everything, a lot of things got bottlenecked. Mm. And so one of the things I had to do was delegate. And that was an important reason for me to take the employees through biblical entrepreneurship mm -hmm. as well, because it couldn't just be about Brent or mm -hmm. Mick. If we were going to go to the next level and replicate the Mick Owenses of the world, the Brent Owenses of the world, then we had to equip and train uh, people, other team members, our other, other team members team. and our team members have been amazing. And, you know, I went through some personal issues about a year ago and I was literally out of the office for about three months. 
And if that would have happened, you know, 10 years prior, I don't know what would have happened to the wow. CFD companies without that type of training and we're not having the right people. And you had your best year this year. And, as we speak. and in 2017, even though from November of 2016 to about January of 2017, I wasn't even present. 2017 is going to be a record year. Wow. And that, that can only be a, for two reasons. One, God blessed us. God put his hedge of protection around us. And then the people that we have in this building on our team are just incredible. Brent. As we come to close here, let's talk vision a bit. What do you see for the future of CFD companies? You recently had your annual company kind of conference where you bring all your advisors mm -hmm. in. Uh, normally at those conferences you share, you call it Vision 2020? What do you call uh, it? This, this year's conference was Future Ready. Future Ready. Yeah, because we want to, we feel like to go to the next level, yeah. we've got great relationships with people, but the reality is, is to be future ready, you have to have not only the people, but now also the technology. And so we want to integrate the people and the technology to be future ready to go to that next level. So give a picture to our listeners. What does CFD look like in 10, 20 years? Again, um, first of all, I want to be in prayer about it daily because I want to be what God wants us to be. Um, I don't know if this is Brent's vision that I'm about to share, if this is God's vision. Um, but we are in the process right now. We, we, we have 190 producing advisors. We have about 40 registered assistants. So we have about 230 total advisors with 190 being producing. Uh, I've been working with our department heads and in the next three to five years, we want to grow from 190 producing advisors to 250. We currently do about 30 million of revenue. I think as money management increases, we're at 1.4 billion of assets on the RIA side. I could see us being between three and five billion in the next three to five years, um, which would drive revenues to 50 million plus. Um, and again, it, you know, that's kind of sort of where I see us going. But again, I don't want it to always just to be about the numbers or the dollars either. I, I where I really want to see us going is, is just really to be a light in a dark financial services world because, you know, money's talked about in the Bible so many times and usually it's in a um, dark light. It's mm -hmm. not a bright light. And I feel like we could be as a financial services company being kingdom driven, uh, we could be a bright light in that space. And so as, as important as the numbers are, that's important to me too, that we will point through our business, we will point people to Christ. Brent, hey, someone listen right now, let's first talk to the parents of an ex-gen. If Mick Owen is listening, what advice would you give him as he prepares his Brent Owen? And again, we might have touched on this before, but I think it all starts at a young age. I think it's the preparation work that goes in as a parent to a young child of training them in the ways of the Lord so that when they grow old or they will never turn from them. I think that's huge. Teaching them biblical principles like tithing, teaching them the importance of trust and honesty, teaching them the importance of a relationship. Um, I think that, you know, just those little things that are instilled in kids uh, cannot be overlooked and I think are huge. Um, and I think it will have an impact uh, of when those teenagers become 20-something or 30-something, uh, I think that that will have a huge impact on how they serve people at that age. Let's talk to an next-gen, another Brent Owens. He may be an up-and-coming Brent Owens, or right now he's in a position of leadership. What advice would you give him? Again, this might be one of those things of doing, as, uh, doing what I say versus what I do, because, you know, at a young age, we all think we 
know everything at a young age. We think that uh, we can, you know, control the world, so to speak. And so if I had to do it over and I was talking to me 20 years ago, I, what I would tell myself is be patient, mm. be prayerful, be wise, seek wise counselors, rely on God and rely on people. And I did that in a lot of situations, but in a lot of situations, I also got very impatient. I, you know, I, people know that, uh, I wear my emotions on my sleeve and, 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 uh, I can't hide anything. I'm pretty transparent, open person. Um, one of the things is be careful. I hate to say this, be careful on who you trust too. You need to have a, uh, tight circle of people that you could trust your life with and, uh, the reality is, is sometimes when you're transparent with people that are untrustworthy, they can bite. Uh, one of the things I'll never forget going through Alan Ross's unconditional excellence is he was talking about how we are all sheep. You know, Christ is the shepherd and we're sheep. And the reality is sheep can bite too. That's right. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, Brent Owen, CEO and president of Creative Financial Design, CFD, right here in Kokomo, Indiana. If you have an Indiana in Kokomo, you want to visit the headquarters, and Brent keeps an open door. Look us up. You can come see us anytime. What's the website again, Brent? www.cfdinvestments.com. If you're a financial advisor that's interested in joining us, www.joincfd.com. If you just want to see who I'm about or my father's about, you have uh, brentowens.com and mickowens.com as our personal websites. And we'll have those uh, those websites links as well on our website at the resource uh, page. I hope that you've enjoyed these last two weeks of series as we dealt with this next generation series. And uh, you can visit our website if you want to subscribe to this podcast. Or by the way, we are now on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. And of course, you can also go to SoundCloud to, to subscribe to it. I hope you enjoyed it. And my encouragement to you is wherever you, whether you're a next gen or the parent of a next gen is to really trust God and do what Brent has shared and that will get you a long way. Here's my prayer for you. May the Lord give you the grace and favor to build a kingdom company so that one day you can hear those wonderful words. Well done. Thank you for being with us today. We're glad you could join us. If you'd like more information or other resources, please visit our website, www.nehemiahproject.org. God bless.